definitely human. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/achieve today. Hold up! What was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to Back to Earth, a podcast about roots. I'm Charlie May. This is episode 30 and it's autumn and I'm sat here with mum for mum chat. How are you doing, mum? I'm very well, thank you. <laughs> Did you enjoy? We just listened to episode 26. Wait, let me shimmy closer to you. Shimmy, shimmy, shimmy. So I guess we should start by saying I've got a bone to pick with you because this week we were sat having tea in the garden and you said, a herd of sheep. <laughs> <laughs> A little slip of the tongue. <laughs> what came first, the chicken or the egg? Do I say herd because you've always been saying herd and I never realised what it I think it's infectious because I've caught it from you. You, oh. say, <laughs> you say herd and I say herd and it's wrong. Fine. Agree to disagree. <laughs> um, we started episode 26 with the gaggle of geese. But you didn't say gaggle. I didn't. I know. No, you didn't say gaggle. In my defence, it was 6am and I was wandering around the Herish fields pre-coffee. Oh, okay. If you say so. And that leads me on to I've got another bone to pick with you. <laughs> <laughs> How the tables have turned. I, you know, coming into this farming lark, I trust you and Nigel to give me the correct terminology so that I can explain to people what's happening on the farm. So I've been saying herish, thinking that it's the technical term for a stubble field. And it turns out it's some long forgotten Devonshire word that hardly anybody knows unless you're from this area in Devon. Well, I don't know. I've always ever been told it was herish. If it's Devonshire, I have no idea. But it's always been herish to me. Um, when you're working with local people, you take on the local vernacular and herish it is. I mean, I know you try and look it up on Google and there's no such word. No, it It's not in the dictionary. I haven't. So it can only be a local term. And I do like the word. I think it's a beautiful mm. word and I love that we say it but yeah I just thought it was funny that you know I think I'm using the correct terminology and then people are like what on earth is she banging on about <laughs> and talking of correct terminology you were talk going back to the geese you were talking about when they're in flight and it's a skein or a skein it's actually a skein oh 
the one that I didn't do. It was actually you that told me it's a skein. And I wrote it down in my notes to say, oh, well, I'll make sure to say that when I go and do the goose recording. And then, yeah, I couldn't remember. I was reading it on my phone, skein, sky, and I've got no idea what this means. I think the dictionary definition of the word skein, it's a loose piece of wool or rope tied loosely together. And I can remember the word quite easily because my mum, when I was a little girl, used to knit all our jumpers. And in those days, you didn't buy balls of wool that were already in balls of wool. You bought a skein of wool. And I can remember sitting there with my hands out and she'd wrap the, and I'd have the, my hands hooped through the wool and she would then make it into a ball. So it was always, whenever she wanted to start knitting, that's what we had to do. But how did you buy it? And it was sort of in loops or something. It, it was Well, if you can imagine, it's, it's rolled around a machine, I suppose, about, right. if I say a foot, do you know what that is in yeah. terms of inches, centimetres? Yes. <laughs> I'm lifting up my foot. And it's all loosely done around that and then through the middle and it was tied in a knot. Okay. Then we had to undo it. You couldn't have a huge lump of wool like that while you were trying to knit from it because it just took up too much room and would end up going everywhere. So a bit of useless information for you there. Oh, no, very interesting. I love it. Um, The geese come to our fields in the short time after we've harvested to nibble up all the grain that's been dropped. Is that true? I assume so. I think they spend the night down on the estuary itself and then they go down and they paddle through the mud and they eat the grubs and things that are in as the tide goes out. And then when the tide comes in, they pop over the hedge onto our fields because obviously they can't get to the shore. But what they're eating, I don't know, because I would have thought it's all gone by then. But They're only with us for about a week and then they move on, don't they? Yeah. So maybe they're just hoovering up any leftover yes. bits. Could be, could be. And I do feel like every morning that I saw them, they sort of started high up the field and then they worked their way down. So I do think they picked it all over. I mean, I suppose that's why they were giving me the runaround, because usually when you and Nigel go out in the morning about eight and then I arrive at about nine, they were in the field then. And so I thought, right, I'll catch them while they're sleeping and go there at six. And they were nowhere to be seen. And so I was under the illusion that they slept in the fields and so I wandered across the fields. I thought oh well maybe they're up in Foxhall and I walked up the other side and then all of a sudden I heard this honking and I saw them landing exactly where I'd begun if I'd have just stood still so (laughs) (laughs) I was completely puffed out running around the fields trying to find these these geese yes exactly I absolutely loved catching up with Steph and seeing what all the metal detectorists found. I found it so fascinating. Doesn't she know so much? I think it's incredible. And I can't believe they found something within the first 10 minutes of us even recording. It was like, you know, you couldn't have made it up. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. We did a bit about Nighthawks on the after show special. And you were saying about, if you could repeat for me, please, the story of why you've invited Steph on the farm in the first place. For many, many years, we had been plagued by people that were just coming in and helping themselves. And some would knock at the door and say, can we go? And we'd say, no, we don't want you on our fields. Others would just turn up in the dead of night with a torch glued to their forehead. And we'd find welly boots in the hedge in the morning where they'd just come off and jumped in the car and driven home and the wellies were still there for them to come again tomorrow. And Nigel is a great one for Facebook. I don't do Facebook. So he, he one night was flicking through and he found this page where they were all gathered in a pub and there was stacks of stuff and it was absolutely amazing. It was horrifying to think what they were taking away and we would never see it again. No record of it. I guess that's the biggest issue is just once something is lifted up out of the ground, you lose all meaning of where it's come from and why it's there. And 
It doesn't go to a museum or anything. Nobody knows about it. And as Steph says, it's stuffed in their back pocket. They'll sell it on the internet to put in their own pocket and nobody will ever know anything about it. Mm -hmm. And that is so, so sad. So then Steph, um, I don't quite know how Nigel knew Steph, but anyway, she appeared and we decided we would try it and have all her people as an all-day thing in the fields next to the main road so all these people driving past would see what we were doing. Everyone that comes has to pay to come for the day and she collects all the money for charity. The first one we did was just after we lost your dad. She collected money to do for the local hospice, which was obviously very important to us at the time and still is. And um, she has raised, I don't know how much money, thousands over the years while she's been doing it. And these people come from all over the country to come to us. It's not just local people. They come down from Birmingham and up from Cornwall and Dorset. And they're a proper little group that love to travel around. And ever since she's been organising this, we have not seen any Nighthawks. Nobody's been anywhere near us ever since. So we just listened to episode 27 with the oxen visiting and the weeding in the vineyard, which even then I say, you know, it's going to take more than a week. We've lost count of how many weeks it's been, haven't we? Well, we can only do, because the weeds are so huge, we can only do such a small area every time we load the gator to the rooftops. It's really only, I don't know, four or five metres between each row. Yes. It's taking forever. Yeah, we're on maybe, I don't know, week six, seven. We've lost count, haven't we? But we're doing a couple of hours here and there as we can. The trellising has been delayed now, so we're not so against time. We don't have to, you know, slog our guts out. We can just take it a bit more easy. And also, I think in the episode I did, we got the name of the weed wrong. We were talking about lamb's tongue, but actually it's fat hen, isn't it? The big bushy one is called fat hen, which is a very apt name, I think. Yes, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) But it's even more urgent to do it now because they've all got berries on and they're going to seed. Yes, exactly. Even more seed. Oh, gosh. What did you think of yeah me being a fly on the wall with the uh, seed treatment? Yeah, that was you actually got more out of it than I've ever. I've never really been. I've seen the lorry is amazing. It is like a time machine. You know, they open up the whole of the side of the lorry and all these knobs and buttons and dials and and swishy bits, and um, they're all suited and booted, which I can understand why. I was amazed. I would never think, you know, if you're on the motorway or whatever and you see these lorries trundling past, you would never think that what that would be all in the back of it. You know, it was just amazing. That's right. Absolutely. Open the curtain and there it is. Whoosh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. very cool. So, yeah, was I saying it's correct? Isn't it? I mean, obviously, it makes so much more sense for us to keep our own grain for seed than to buy anything in. Well, it's cost effective because to buy new seed, you're talking £500 a tonne and we're saving £150 a tonne by doing this. You still have to pay the royalties and the grain levy and all those things. So the country's not losing any money by it. You know, we're paying all our taxes, but the process of cleaning isn't as much as if we just bought it off the shelf. So I feel like I don't even know what you're talking about. What's a grain levy and what are the taxes that you have to pay? Like, what's all that about? when I say taxes, that is the, the levy is the tax that you have to pay on buying new seed. You've still got to pay that even if you have the seed yourself. Yeah, it's an inclusive price when you buy the seed. And then episode 28, where we went to Tar Steps. Did you find that very fascinating? I did. I, I just think Tar Steps is the most amazing bridge. Those blue slabs are so huge, but 
you know, like you said, the wire that's stretched across the river, that bridge has been washed away in the past by trees in floods being ripped up and sent down the river. And then it smashes, they smash against the bridge. And that bridge has been demolished twice in the last 10 years. Wow. Is it global warming? Yes, when we get such flooding. They all talk about, you know, once in a hundred year event. Well, it's all happening multitudinal times in this century. Yeah, they can't say that anymore. It's all happening every year. But, you know, I watched it on the local news. They had to have such huge equipment to get those stones back into place. And it was a mammoth task. So it's unbelievable to think it was a medieval bridge. How on earth they managed to get it there in the first place? Yeah, a bit like Stonehenge, isn't it? How did they get that there in the first place? It's a mystery. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, those stones were washed a long way down the river. They had to go down and retrieve them. When the storm had settled. Yeah, but no, it's a lovely place. It's the most fantastic place for a walk. That tree with all the coins in is unbelievable. I don't know how long they've been doing that. I'd be interested to see how old some of those coins are, but you'll never know. I know, you'll never know. And I did try and research um, into it. And yeah, there's not much about it other than it's just sort of an ancient tradition, like throwing a coin in a well or, you know, it's just an ancient wishing mechanism. (laughs) And that walk that you've gone on is how far would you say it's got to be a couple of miles up the river across and down again and not everybody that goes to tar steps can be bothered to do that walk they just go to see the steps and then they go up and have a cream tea so i didn't know to begin with when i first went there that that log was there well it's a tree it's not a log is it but yeah i didn't know it was there and then when we did that walk it was just the most beautiful find Oh, yes, of course, because we went there as well, didn't we, with Harry? And yeah, we walked around that very same walk. So we were retracing our steps from before. When was that? A couple of years ago? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was. Didn't have a cream tea then, though. No. I I... out on that one. (laughs) I was so impressed by that place. We also had a veggie burger, which David said was, you know, well, I agree. It was one of the best veggie burgers we had in Devon. It was homemade. It was absolutely delicious. There was a little robin there that was, you know, hopping along trying to, I was feeding him bits of chickpea burger. It may have been a bit spicy for himself, (laughs) but yeah. Well, he's got a red breast. It's all that heat. (laughs) So we just listened to episode 29, potato picking. Oh, thanks. Yes. Thank you for that. Yes. Thanks. (laughs) So sweet, so innocent, aren't you? Oh, totally. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we've got our supply in now, so we're okay. We don't have to lug them back from the supermarket for a few months. I am so excited because, yeah, I felt in London I would hear your tales of, you know, going in, you and Nigel picking up the leftover potatoes and sort of having them, and I was very excited. That was the pinnacle for me of, you know, coming down to Devon and being able to harvest the potatoes (laughs) for the winter. (laughs) Yeah, and what we've done is we've stored them in buckets and we've put them in a dark corner of the garage, covered them in towels so that they remain main dark and every now and again I'll take a bucket and just pick them over and make sure there's none in there that are going bad and they'll just keep until we need them. They're not even that dirty. It is amazing to me how potatoes can be pulled out of the earth. And I don't know whether it's because of their skin or anything, but they don't seem to hold on to any mud. They're just, they look perfect. It was optimum lifting conditions. The soil was beautifully dry and powdery. And as they're tossed up that floppy conveyor belt, they're bounced Mm. and anything that's on them just falls off. So they're nice and clean. That makes sense. And when we went back the next day, just as we finished wrapping up, there was a gorgeous rainbow over the field, wasn't there? It was rather beautiful, wasn't it? Yeah, Yeah, it was so special. The potato rainbow, the gold at the end of the rainbow. (laughs) It's potatoes. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, quite right. So it's feeling very autumnal at the moment, isn't it? We're sort of sat in your room. It's a bit chilly. We should be doing this. We, When we started this podcast, we were doing fireside chats with mum. And now we're sort of in your bedroom, which is one of the quieter rooms in the house uh, for recording. But I feel like we ought to go back to the fireplace. Well, I've already got the logs in today to ready to light the fire tonight. So it's not unheard of to be fireside chats. What's your favourite season? Spring. Is it? Mm. New birth, new growth. Mm. Yeah, I do love spring, but yeah, autumn every year gets me. I just think it's such Mm. a nice time of year and everything looks so pretty and moody. Yeah, spring and autumn. Well, I think it's lovely that we get four definite seasons because there's always something around the corner that's different. And, you know, I think to live in the same climate all year round would be a bit boring. Going back to summer, what did you think of our little coverage of On the Road Music Festival? I thought that sounded fantastic. I think that's on the field where as a child you will remember we used to go to an annual donkey derby oh really is it that and was it owned by dave hartnell back then yeah yeah it's been in the hartnell family for donkeys years (laughs) (laughs) we used to love donkey racing i don't think you can do it now because of health and safety yeah that's right but yeah Yeah. you would strap your toddler on top of a donkey and send them down the field and see who came first and the donkeys are so stubborn some wouldn't go some would gallop off because they knew there was a a plate of goodies for them at the end (laughs) that what would make them run yes. <laughs> i remember being outraged one year because i was convinced my my childhood friend timothy hi timothy if you're listening we raced it together and i was so sure that i came first but they gave him the first ribbon and i was i'm still incensed to this day <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes that's right <laughs> that was all done as a charity raising thing we used to do it for the british heart foundation because you remember uncle andrew was involved and he did the splat the rat and <laughs> what's that mean <laughs> it was a, a thing where you take a hammer and you hit a bell and it goes up to try and hit the rat that comes out of the hole or something it's obviously it's a woolly toy but um, it was called <laughs> splat the rat and we used to have skittles and all sorts of silly games that we used to play yeah, I remember it being so much fun. Throw hoops over things to try and win like you do at the fair. Yeah. There was all sorts of stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, that was 20 odd years ago now. I think it's quite amazing that, um, you know, this episode has sort of contained two farmers side by side because you've got Avery who puts potatoes in our fields they specialize in potatoes and then right next to that is dave hartnell who has the asparagus fields yes. down on braunton burrows yes. braunton greatfield greatfield yes which is a medieval field that used to be uh, it's one of the only ones in the country left it's a strip farm system we used to learn about in school in history the feudal system when everybody worked they had a little strip of land that they could call their own so everybody could grow their own veg basically Mm. no it's fascinating and yeah if anybody does you know come down to north devon uh you can go they both have farm shops on saunton road or what's the road called in the back there sandy lane Sandy Lane, that makes sense. Yes. Sandy Lane off Saunton Road and you can stop by and you can buy the asparagus, which is incredible, Mm. and you can buy the potatoes, which are incredible, come from our fields. Funnily enough, I was only talking to Nigel about um, Avery's got a farm shop there and he he went down there at the weekend and he said there's potatoes, but there's also beetroot and carrots and all sorts of other goodies that he grows and eggs because he's got chickens and he's got a little farm shop there going and I dare say Hartnell's got the same. Yeah, I drove past. They call it the Spud Shack. That's the one, yeah. We always buy from them, don't we? Absolutely delicious stuff. All right, well, that goes for the 
last four episodes, I think I got away pretty scot-free this week. I didn't have too many problems. If anything, I was wrapping your knuckles for <laughs> things. How interesting that the tide turns. I knew it would. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the tide turns. Now Charlie wears the farming crown. Long live the queen. May her reign be glorious and prosperous for all her people. Her people are chickens. In the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram at Back to Earth Podcast, on Twitter at Back to Earth Pod, and on TikTok at Back to Earth Charlie. Music is by John Day. Artwork is by Eric Chow. And this episode was edited by my poor husband, David Knight. Thank you so much, guys. And thank you, of course, for listening. And if you're supporting us on Patreon, stay tuned for our after show series, hashtag Farm Life. This week, we'll be talking about the Sunday roast. And for our non-UK listeners, that is food. Find out more at patreon.com forward slash definitely human. Back to Earth is a definitely human production. Okay, bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.